know, where do you want to be in the yeah. last 10 years of your life? Yeah. If we don't think about it now, you're not going to get a choice of right. where you're going to be in the last 10 years of your life. Welcome to the Share On Air podcast, where we go behind the brand with entrepreneurs to learn their successes and their struggles. We'll also be looking at ways to get your podcast shared on air. But for now, let's get on with the conversation. Candice, thank you so much for chatting with me. This is so much fun. It's really good. We've, we met, I oh gosh, it must be over a year now at the Hello yeah. Life Academy event at the Banff Springs. Yeah, 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 and come by so fast. I know, I know, it's crazy. And I was amazed by what you were doing at that time. But then, because of that event, we managed to connect on social media and everything. And I've been watching and learning more about you and Weight Boss for Life, and and getting to know everything that it is that you do. And so, I really wanted to uh, steal some time and have a chat with you, so that we can kind of share what you're up to and what you're doing. So tell us a bit about yourself. I am a Western girl. I don't really say I'm a Calgary girl because my dad was in construction. So we kind of moved between, you know, the three Western provinces. It was always boom or bust. Wherever the work was is where we went. And then uh, I went to university at um, University of Alberta. Okay. And after that, I went out east to London, Ontario for about 15 years. And then I found my way back home because my family is all in Western Canada and I was just feeling like I needed to reconnect with my family so that was in 2005 I came back lovely lovely and you're a nurse right yes so you you started off in healthcare and passionate about helping people so tell me a bit about that I've always ever since I can remember I've been absolutely fascinated with healthcare keeping ourselves healthy and well and I had an aunt who was a nurse and I was completely fascinated and when she'd come home from work I'd say tell me what you did today I wanted the most detailed goriest things she could have done (laughs) so I always knew I was going to be a nurse and I have never regretted that decision I have honestly loved every second of being a nurse helping people connecting with people and what got me into weight boss was not a dissatisfaction with the nursing it was seeing that there was a huge gap Right. in what we were offering people to manage their weight. And this came from personal experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd always kind of been able to manage my weight and then I got pregnant and whew, <laughs> like the weight packed on within a second and it didn't leave. Right. And then compounding that, I was um, married to a man who had metabolic disease. Okay. He was a type one diabetic and he could not get a handle on his relationship with food. Wow. And it was honestly like watching somebody slowly kill themselves. Oh. And I, I knew his demise would come if we did not do something different. Right. And we tried everything. We tried personal trainers. We tried experts. We tried scare tactics. We tried everything. But the typical eat this, do that, move your body, never really addressed the fundamental feelings he had about himself and why he was using food for lack of a better word as his drug of choice right right and you know people can say well he was a diabetic and that's why his weight got compounded and that's we just know that that's not true right we know that if you're a type 1 diabetic and even more importantly a type 2 diabetic which is rising exponentially in this world we can do things to change ourselves to shift things around 75 percent of all diseases about how we're feeding ourselves 
And as a health community, we're missing the boat right. on how to change it around for people. It's like it's always their fault. If you didn't follow the diet and you gained weight, well, then something's wrong with you. You're not compliant enough. You're not this enough. And people are not not compliant because they just want to ruffle your feathers. They're not compliant because it's not dropping into them. Right. It's not, there isn't the big enough motivation. So I just saw there's a massive gap. Yeah. And I wanted a handle on my weight. I wanted my children to see that they could manage their weight long-term. Mm -hmm. And the role model of watching Chuck struggle with his weight was such a dichotomy in our home. Ultimately, Chuck lost his life. Oh, and sorry. I just thought there has to be another way. There yeah. has to be another way. Wow. And then compounding that, I did get remarried. And I married a man who was tall and thin uh -huh. in my mind thinking there's no risk here uh -huh. but ultimately he had years and years and years of poor eating which was not reflected in subcutaneous fat on his body mm -hmm. but the health consequences was still the same within his body right and he ultimately passed away oh my word um, so i just thought this is nuts this yeah. is absolutely nuts like like I am meant to to pound the drums that how we treat our body matters. Yes. How we feed our body matters. But more importantly, why are we soothing ourselves with food? And the other side of me is massively, you know, I'll say peed off because I don't know what language I can <laughs> say on Go as, as far as you like, my dear. <laughs> oh, well, then I'm going to say it. I am massively pissed off that we have a food supply that is killing us, right. that is sanctioned by our government, by the agencies that are supposed to protect us. Mm -hmm. And nothing's happening. Yeah. Like, I just feel so frustrated. It is not our fault we're gaining weight. Yeah. It's not. We are exposed every second, every minute of every day that says, feed yourself, soothe yourself with food. Food is the solution maker. We no longer even look at ourselves as options for solution. Right. It's I'm hangry, grab a chocolate bar. It's everywhere. I drive down the street. I may not even be hungry, but I am exposed to things like McDonald's, like Dairy Queen, like all this. Yes. And my brain, my brain, my natural brain is driven to want to have the most calorie dense food. Yeah. So what really like it, 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 it's a, it's a struggle. It's not our fault. So how can we help each other? That's the biggest question. How can we change our thinking around all this? Mm -hmm. Every day you're posting things on your social media, which everyone has to go follow. It's fantastic, um, but really helpful psychology. It's not just diet tips. It's, no. it's all no. about the psychology behind our relationships to food and, and I guess essentially ourselves. Yeah, it's it's the primary relationship we have with ourselves. It's how we feed ourselves. That is primary primary to everything everything kind of builds from that yes and when we uh think about not honoring our body not er nourishing our body in the way it should be we need to look at that why am i buffering why am i feeling this way why is that deep my default solution to comfort for me and this world we live in right now is so dopamine driven mm -hmm. and that is part of what's driving this 
whole obesity pandemic, along with we've disrupted our hormones. It is not about food. People know how to eat well. Like I talk very little about good eating because unless you've been living underneath a rock, yeah. Yeah. You probably know broccoli's better than a chocolate bar. Uh-huh. Like, I don't need to pound that message home. But what I do need to help you with is help you with some thinking. Understand really what's happening in your body when we communicate with food. Because mm-hmm. that's how we communicate with our bodies, through mm-hmm. food. What's happening in our body? What's happening in our brain? And why am I being pulled into that vortex of really calorically, nutritionally deficient food right because your brain loves sweet loves fat loves it loves it loves it yeah because that's what kept us alive when we first landed on this world on this earth so it's it's it's, got to work with that it's so cruel really how the brain does that to us because i i really try to think and and you know i i say this to anyone listening <laughs> i am not at my peak physical fitness right now i'm sure a lot of us are experiencing a little bit of lockdown weight gain and all yeah, of that kind yeah. of thing so i really do try to think of my body as like it is a machine it does so much for me every yes. day and why yeah. on earth like you people pay for more expensive gas to put into their cars for goodness sakes and then you put a dollar 99 cheeseburger in your face for lunch yes it's it baffles me um but at the same time it's just so sad and so unfair that like you mentioned broccoli it's like you have a great healthy meal but our brain doesn't trigger the same response because but it should because we're doing such good to the machines it it absolutely should and it does as soon as we start down regulating that dopamine drive that we all have going and we really see the drug of sugar Mm -hmm. as a drug Yes. Um, that we need to wean ourselves off of, but we are surrounded by it. And right now, you know, we can have a free conversation about this. You said I have a little yep, yep, <laughs> you room go for to it. move here. <laughs> um, I think about the COVID experience we are all going through. Mm-hmm. And we know definitively that people who have diets high in sugar, Mm -hmm. so have elevated blood sugars. And if you eat sugar and flour as a part of your diet, you have an elevated blood sugar, you are less protected from COVID. Wow. Why are we not managing our sugar exposure? I walk into the grocery store and about one third of it Mm -hmm. is healthy for me. Two thirds is not healthy for me. Mm -hmm. That is about somebody's bottom line. Yeah. Money bottom line. Right. Not my health bottom line. Like, so let's just start talking about the reality of some of this. You're asking me to keep myself healthy in these small little boxes of containment of behavior, but you're not really talking to me about the drug I put in my children's body, my body on a daily basis that contributes to my lack of health. We can't afford metabolic disease. If we think COVID's uh, uh, a big problem, the the obesity pandemic and the fallout that's going to happen yes our children will not be able to afford a healthcare system yeah cancer yeah. heart disease alzheimer's all related to how we eat totally so we we gotta make some changes yeah yeah it's crazy actually i was literally just editing a podcast for another of our mutual friends erin from uh, sensational path and 
she had a guest on and talking all about um, behavioral disorders in children and just how cutting out sugar and gluten stopped this kid from literally pulling down curtains and, and hitting people at birthday parties. It's like, yeah, we just changed the diet and yeah. our kid came back. Yeah. Yeah. And we got to know that sugar and flour, like when mm -hmm. we talk about flour, it converts to sugar. Right. Um, so that ultimate byproduct of that is the same byproduct as alcohol. Right. Right. So we have people who can drink to get fatty liver disease and you can eat to get fatty liver disease. Mm -hmm. Guess what? Fatty liver disease from eating is now surpassing fatty liver disease from alcoholism. Wow. We are in a pickle. Yeah. Um, so, and it's more than just saying to somebody, well, stop eating sugar. Right. Well, if it was that easy, guess what? We, Chuck would have done it millennial ago and my children would still have their father here. Yeah. It is not that easy. We need to wrap people around with support mm -hmm. of education, coaching, and to look at those messages, those stories they have about themselves and their weight mm -hmm. from both a conscious perspective and an unconscious perspective. Right. So that's, that's kind of, you can see I'm fairly fired I up about love this. this. I, I'm <laughs> loving like this whole series that I'm kind of doing, talking about people's brands and their pat. It's just, yes. I love yeah. it. I love yeah, it. Yeah. So um, you'd ask me, you know, I started off as a nurse and I, I just realized that after both Ken and Chuck had passed away and I saw my children struggling that what we offer from a medical perspective is not enough. Mm -hmm. It's not enough. Mm -hmm. And the science is good, but it's often tainted depending on who is supporting the, yeah. the current um you know, frame of reference. If yeah. it's being supported by food manufacturers, we're going to get this outcome. If it's being supported by somebody else, we're going to get this outcome because all stats can be somewhat manipulated. Let's yep. just call a spade a spade. Mm -hmm. You got to really look through it and see what it is. Um, so I thought, well, the current uh, skill set I have is not enough as a nurse right. to really enact change, or I would have been able to help Chuck more. Right. Or right. I would have, you know, or the system we dropped into would have been able to help right. Chuck more. We went to classes. We went to, you know, do, like everything, you name it, we tried it. He even tried a gastric sleeve. He tried so many things. Wow. None of it works long-term. So then I thought, well, what what's the missing link? Mm -hmm. So for me, I wanted to learn a little bit more about coaching as opposed to just delivering information. Right. So I went back and I got my coaching certificate. I also wanted to learn more about holistic nutrition. Right. Which is not, um, not, you know, eat this, do that. It's really learning about how food interacts in general in our really body. Cool. I wanted that. So I went back and I got my holistic nutrition certificate and I still didn't feel like I had the capability with which to help people to drop into their story. Mm. So then I went back and I got my clinical hypnotherapy. Amazing. And I think that is a beautiful wraparound. And then my goal now is to start partnering more with physicians right? so that we can tap into the expertise of what is available from the medical community because there is really good things that can help support people. At the same time, mm. we are helping them change behavior because if we just give you a drug or a pill to yeah. decrease appetite, we do nothing to ultimately change your habits or behavior. Yeah. We need to see that in an absolute combination. Right. So right now I'm currently blessed. I'm working with Synergy Collaborative Health and uh, they are such a support and a, you know, a champion yes. for wanting to see people 
manage their weight in their health in a more holistic perspective. Yeah, they're in Cochrane, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and mm-hmm. their approach really is not just, it's not the Band-Aid approach. It's no, really no. going from- Yeah, it's a wraparound approach. Yeah. The sad part is, is that, you know, my services are not covered um, yeah. from Alberta Health. And, you know, there's part of me that feels sad about that, but there's another part of me that does not feel sad about that. Mm-hmm. Because my experience has been, you got to have some skin in the game. Yes. And what's the best skin in the game? It's your bottom line. Mm-hmm. It's your money. Yeah. yeah. Um, because when there's no skin in the game, it's easy for our brain to pull us back and go, oh, well, we'll start again tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, we'll start yeah. the next day. Because consequences are never in the present. They're in the future. Totally. And when I have a desire in the present, I am not going to be thinking about that future girl I'm waking up with. Yeah. But if I have a present moment awareness that, oh, something's on the line for me here, more than my health, because health is always future. Yes. Future focused. Money is more present focused. Right. If I have something on the line here, I'll more likely follow through. Right. So it's important to have something in the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I feel somewhat conflicted on that. Yeah. Because yes. not everybody can afford or access the services. And I think everybody should be able to afford right. and access the service. We'd have so much less healthcare cost. So much. Right. Like every time I go in the hospital, I think this is all about how we're feeding ourselves. Yes. Bottom line. So give us a little outline. Sort of what would it look like if someone came to you for your services? How how does it look like? What do you, How do you explore their situation and, and what sort of yeah. things do you recommend and what are your techniques and what do you, what do you work on? Because you've mentioned... Oh, I have a whole little toolkit of yay, magic. Yay, yay. <laughs> what is it? What um, is it? Which I do have. Um, but I work with people in two ways. I either run small groups mm-hmm. and they're all done virtually now or I do uh, private work. Right. Um, we work together consistently for eight weeks. Right. And that's not the end of it. There is a upfront eight week commitment. Once mm-hmm. a week we get together. We're we're in group or if we're private. Love it. And the reason for that is I want to give everybody the armed with the best amount of information mm-hmm. because to change things unconsciously, you have to have a buy-in from your conscious brain. Yeah. So I just can't say to you, well, think different, do different, be different. When you got a little nagging thing in the back of your brain going, I'm not sure I believe that. Mm-hmm. Not sure I believe that. So first we got to convince consciously, yeah. we got to start becoming aware of our stories and our behaviors. And so that's really what we do in the first eight weeks. Mm -hmm. And then we follow up with six months worth of support. And that support can be, again, private or it can be in a group format. We use cognitive behavioral therapy. We use hypnotherapy. We can consult any physician or we, meaning me, um, because I'm a nurse and have a dialogue about, you know, I recommend this medication. What do you think? Is this, you know, a good good option for her um, or him? And then we do hypnotherapy. And the hypnotherapy works in two different ways. One, it works by creating a calmness within us. Mm -hmm. Because when we are calm, when we are not anxious, we are less likely to soothe and we are more likely to work through uncomfortableness. So let's create some calmness about just being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And then let's start looking at those stories in our head. And I don't mean stories in a derogatory term at all. Mm -hmm. We all have stories in our head. All have little scenarios that were, you know, playing out in our head about, you know, I can't do this or weight loss is really hard or why did I even start soothing in the first place? Is my weight protective of me emotionally in some way? And do we need to unearth that? 
Like, what is the story behind there? And that's what we really dig at in the private hypnotherapy sessions. So even if you're in a group session or private, you still have have private hypnotherapy sessions. I don't do that in a group format. Um, So it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a mixture of both, no matter what, what stream you're going down. And you have group courses kicking off in the new year. Is that right? I do. The end of January, we are starting another group program. So we've run several this year and they've been incredibly successful. And that's the other question people always ask me, what is your success rate? Well, that's kind of a loaded question. Yeah. Success rate is as good as the individual person right. wants it to, to be. I can't make you step in. Yeah. And sometimes when you step into this process, because losing weight is a vulnerable experience. Mm. This is not just, oh, I'm going to go on a diet. This is unearthing. Why am I here? Where do I want to go? Who do I want to wake up as tomorrow? Yes. And remembering that. And that's a vulnerable experience, changing habits. Yeah. And especially if you've used food to comfort and soothe yourself away from emotional pain, mm-hmm. that's vulnerable to unearth and look at that. So sometimes there's a fear and a back away when you initially step in. Mm-hmm. But I have to say my success rate is significantly higher than other weight loss mm-hmm. programs. I am proud to say that I have people two years out still in their weight range and still saying this is not hard because once we let go of resistance, Mm -hmm. it isn't hard anymore. And once we get what I call the magic of metabolic flexibility is we can live a little bit in the other side of treats and we can shift back into being okay. So, you know, this Christmas, I'm, I'm going to have some cake and potatoes and all those good things, but I know what to expect. I know how to pull it back. I know how to manage that, you know, elevated sugar and to bring it back within the normal range. And therein lies the power for the rest of your life. I can manage my thoughts and I can manage my body and I can manage my weight. Hence, I manage my life. Weight loss is to me a fundamental skill for for, for life, you can manage how you primarily feed yourself. You can manage anything. Yeah. The same skills that are required to lose weight are the same skills that are required to build a business, to work through uncomfortableness, to work through challenges. It's it's fundamental right. to how, how we manage our lives. I love it. You mentioned that your your courses are eight weeks to, to get going. The commitment is the eight weeks. And I heard somewhere recently that if you sort of start something today, you want to sort of plan for who you want to be in sort of six weeks to eight weeks from now. So is that the sort of thinking that within eight weeks you will be able to see and you will have, will have sort of established some goals or? Um... Yeah, you you will have established some goals. You would have started the process. There is in no way any kind of uh, belief that at eight weeks you've changed your habits. Yeah. That is a bit of a misnomer that in yeah. 21 days you got a new habit. You might have a baby, baby, baby habit, like yeah. infant habits started, but habits are only as good as those that we are nurturing. Yes. And then as soon as they drop into being completely unconscious, we nurture them less because they are unconscious. They actually are part of our repertoire of what we just naturally are. But it takes a while for that to get there, Um, not 21 days. So the eight weeks is the core initial start to really start seeing and believing that you can and 
and will be different. And you can work through what you need to work through to start making this shift happen. And then the rest of it really unfolds over the course of the next year. Most people in, I'd say my average weight loss in the first eight weeks is about 20 pounds. Wow. But most people have, you know, often 60 or more pounds to go. Um, Within four months, I have lots of people reaching their 40, 40 pounds, 50 pounds. That's fantastic. Um, it, it goes at a different rate mm-hmm. for a lot of different people. We don't all drop weight the same. We don't yeah. all gain weight the same. And the other big thing I think I help people with is to not do the effort moments in life. What does that Cause mean? Because the effort moment is oh. when you, you know, say, I'm going to go on a diet, I'm going to lose it. And then you eat something and you go, well, that's it. I blew it. I'm done. I, you know, effort. I'm going to wait now. I was thinking effort. I'm like... We're not putting any effort into anything now. I'm like, I kind of like that program. I'm down, sign me up. But I'm also fluent in the effort program too. We want it. We want people to have the skills to say, oh, yeah, I didn't eat as I planned today. Why did that happen for me? What's the reflective process on that? And you don't want it to be this big ownersome thing. You want to be able to go through those questions in your head pretty quickly, Mm -hmm. but feel confident enough to go, okay, I'm just right back on. There we go. I'm not looking for the next magic day, the next magic Monday, the next magic January 1st. Right. I no longer have that because that's a false sense of uh, power for ourselves because it puts the solution outside of ourselves. Solution yes. is always, always inside. Oh, I love that. This is awesome. Candace, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I could talk forever about this. I'm so passionate I about it. I really it. want people to drop into the power of their body, the mm-hmm. power of their body to heal. Um, and so, you know, where do you want to be in the yeah. last 10 years of your life? Yeah. If we don't think about it now, you're not going to get a choice of right. where you're going to be in the last 10 years of your life. And frankly, for me, I want to be hiking a mountain and I want to drop dead up there or, or alive moving. Yes. I don't want to be incapacitated or lose my, my ability to think and be. Yes. And so that means I got to be responsible for it now, just like Ken and Chuck didn't get an option to change their trajectory and their trajectory was the result of their historical past Mm -hmm. and that just landed home for me if i don't do something different for me and my kids yeah their trajectory will be the same and just no way i'm turning this around this is not going to keep going in my family oh no good for you good for you that's fantastic and because of that you're changing other people's lives and other families Mm -hmm. lives and yeah yeah it's incredible and other families i love how you just said that um most of my clients because Weight loss shouldn't be a dramatic process. Right. Of, oh, I'm on a diet. Yeah, I'm yeah. on a diet. I'm on a diet telling the world I'm on a diet because you're not on a diet. Yeah. You're on a way of being. Mm-hmm. And so if we decrease the drama and we decrease the noise around it, we are so much more effective at influencing those around us and those in our family. I have had my clients describe, well, my partner's lost 20 pounds in the process of this. Yeah. Well, my partner's now losing more weight than I am. Right. Just because they're now role modeling a different way of being, a different way of thinking, and a different way of responding to triggers that they would have normally buffered through with food. It's funny, yeah, you mentioned partners. <laughs> I I got married a year ago and, and I used to, you know, single girl life it was like eat when I'm hungry and there was like no carbs in the house. I was also on a on 
on a sobriety bender <laughs> so there were I, no drinking for three years and i remember wow. yeah i remember going into the store to buy a new pair of jeans and i i was like the girl's like can i help you and i'm like yeah i need a size this this and this and she looks at me like are you crazy and i'm like what do you mean and she's like no this is your size and i was like are you crazy <laughs> i'm like i'm not gonna fit into those tiny jeans <laughs> and i just vividly remember that moment of like i i'm different now because and again it's that dopamine thing with with the alcohol too i'm useless at resisting the alcohol but yeah so it's just like when you take away those things and like we said earlier when you start to remove that the cravings go away too the cravings do go away and and i love how you mentioned alcohol there because when i started my journey i would I would start and stop tons. I've tried every diet in the book, like every, you name it, I've done it. I've done HCG, I've done the cabbage diet, like I've done some crazy shit. Right. Um, But as soon as I would start a diet and the first thing people would say to me was, you can't have any alcohol, that's it. I'd sabotage it within a week. That's it, I'm I'm out. And not consciously, I wouldn't say I was out. I would just sabotage it and then I would wait for that. Oh, well, I blew it, you know, wait for the next magic moment. So part of what we do here is um, anything you're not willing to give up, Mm -hmm. we need to factor that in. Right. Because you have to say, however you're feeding or nourishing yourself, Mm -hmm. I could do this for the rest of my life. Right. So I wasn't prepared for somebody to say to me, you can't have wine, Candace. So I had a glass of wine every day. Notice I managed it down to a glass of wine six ounces it was permissible every day yeah yeah i don't require it every day because nobody's gonna take it away from me anymore i'm no longer panicked about it so i have it when i desire it yeah within reasonable quantities i'm no longer fearful oh they're gonna take it all away from me right so we don't take anything away nothing nothing love it teach you how to have it at times when you're consciously aware of it and not unconsciously eating mm. the bag of cookies with zero awareness that yeah. you ate the bag of cookies. Yeah. One, you don't enjoy it. And two, you just feel like crap after and then you start beating yourself up right. and then the cycle goes around and around again. Totally, totally. Oh, this is incredible. So how many people are usually in your group classes, Candice? I try to keep it to around 10. Nice. And nice. the reason I keep it relative is, again, because it's a vulnerable experience. Mm-hmm. We want to share our experience. And when they get too big, like I found in other programs, you lose the personal connection. Mm-hmm. And losing weight is a personal, vulnerable experience. I, I believe that with every fiber of my yeah. body, because the more you tap into what is bothering you about letting go mm-hmm. of that way of eating or that way of being therein lies the healing yeah. and that takes attention that takes being heard mm-hmm. that takes being seen and so to me my groups need to be around 10. and how can people join your group well they just need to contact me okay um, we have a group starting in january um so they need to get on the the, the list for that yeah. we've already started uh, a wait list nice. and um so just contact me Perfect. have a conversation Perfect. i always like to start things out with a discovery call yeah because I, I you know we got to talk about motivation yeah do you really want to step in is this the best time for you is this the program for you right because you know i can help a lot of people i don't know if i'm the solution for 
everybody. Right. right. So I want to be honest and respectful of this is what I offer. Let's yeah. really be clear about what this is. And does that feel like a good fit? Are you willing to start looking at your story? Right. Yeah. Totally. Some people are and, and, and a few haven't been, but when they are, mm-hmm. they know I'm here That's and amazing. I will be here. And I'm super committed to my clients, like super committed. You can ask any of them. I love it's it. It's like, I don't want to let them go. <laughs> I want to keep supporting people. Well, yeah. You know, to, yeah. To keep nurturing those habits that they started to develop so mm. they, can, they can have long-term success. Yeah. Because when you've maintained your weight for two years, yeah. you are in the less than 1% of all people around weight loss. Wow. Like that's staggering yeah. stats. Like that tells us that weight loss is not just a six month experience. Mm -hmm. Weight loss needs to be supported for between 12 and 24 months. So does that, that statistic kind of says that the majority of us probably are overweight then? Yeah. 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 Yeah, we are. Uh, It's rising all the time. 75% of us are moving into some kind of metabolic disease. If you have weight on your body, this is going to be a hard one to hear, guys, anybody who's Mm -hmm. listening. If you have weight on your body, you are in metabolic disease. You may not be diagnosed yet, but you are moving there. And then I sometimes get the pushback that says, well, you know, I've been big and I have no health consequences. You don't really know that. Mm-hmm. Ken was tall and thin and would have mm-hmm. thought he had no health consequences. Right. He died of massive coronary artery disease, yeah. which is 100% related to how he had historically fed himself. Yeah. And my last few years of with him and feeding our family in a different way did zero impact on changing the outcome of his health right. because it needs to look at looked at what he was doing for the bigger time and there wasn't enough time to turn it around nor did i even know we had to turn it around right i assumed he was healthy my word my word so yeah plan for the future and that that was me with i had a personal trainer actually yeah looking back the time when when the girl told me my jean size was a lot smaller than i anticipated and i wanted to hug the living daylights out of her but um yeah i had a a trainer back in those days and for me, it was not about, oh, I want to look this way or whatever. It was mm-hmm. like both of my parents passed away very young. And I was oh, just, I just right. remember my grandmother was like, she hit 65, 70 and just gave up. And it was yeah. like, I don't want to just sit there and drink tea and smoke yes. cigarettes. I want to be able yeah. to go for Like you said, I want to be able to go for a walk or hike up a mountain or yes. and not worry yes. that my ankles are going to wobble and then I'm going to be in broken yeah <laughs> i just want yeah. to and that's the other the like i love that you mentioned that emma because that's the other thing we really need to change as a culture as a society thinking that age is this trajectory of poor health right and that it's a fait accompli that you know i am going to have arthritis i am going to have mm-hmm. this i am going to have that it's not a fait accompli it's yeah. it's within my control yeah. to have a different experience it's also within my control to have poor health. Yes, yes. And I'm not saying all of it, 25%, I I can't control, but I can control a good portion of this. And then the other thing I hear people say is, well, it's in my genes, it's in my genes. You know, my family's all been big. Well, we know that we haven't been on this earth long enough to change the DNA with which obesity is expressing itself. Right. 
epigenetically we are by the way we are feeding ourselves by the way we are having our pregnancy that by the amount of weight we're gaining even in pregnancy that that is an outcome determinant for how big our babies are going to be and how much right. they are going to suffer with obesity in their later life yeah. based on my prenatal conditioning that's right. epigenetics we can turn that around Less than 2% of the population has a genetic de deficiency for obesity. Sorry, say that again. What percentage? Less than 2% of the population has a genetic deficiency for obesity. Amazing. So that means we got, we got 98% we can, we can influence. And that is good news. That's harsh news That's for many good people. News. Good, but good it's, news. Yeah, yeah it's good, in our control. Goodbye to your excuse. I, I just feel so fired up, Emma. Thank you for letting me oh, have this opportunity. I love this so much. We have to talk because I'm super, I'm really interested in your course because literally I am way above and beyond the size of jeans I went in expecting to buy that day. <laughs> I want to, yeah. Yeah, the so. good news is, is you've been there once, you'll get there again, girl. Right. Right. You really will. And that that's what I want people to hear. If you've been able to lose weight before, mm. you can lose it again. Yeah. Yeah. You can lose it again. And we can teach you the ways to keep it off and feel powerful for the rest of your life. Love it. And you've inspired me too because I want to help my husband as well. He's like, like, I'll be in here teaching all day. I'll go downstairs at eight o'clock at night. And cause he's been, he's in the kitchen. There's a feast just sat on the table for me. And it's like, I, I love you so much, but also fish and chips at eight o'clock at night is okay. I'm going to eat it because it's here and you made it for me. But like, can we have a salad one day, please? Yeah. Yeah. It's clearly his love language yes. to you, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. And food is often a love language for, mm. for people. And so we got to honor that too. Yes. We don't want to take away from the, the beauty of, you know, offering good food as a, mm. as a sign of love that's been around since the beginning of time. The exactly. hunters came back with the, you know, the, the kill or the harvest of the day and everybody rejoiced and celebrated that's in our DNA. Yeah. Yeah. We can, we can shuffle it around so that it works to our advantage. Totally. And growing yeah. up in Europe, I remember even just the difference from London to France where my dad lived was I hated tomatoes. And then I went to France and it was like, yeah, it is a fruit. This is amazing. This is a treat. And yeah. and the fruits and the vegetables and stuff it, growing up in a, just a slightly different climate where it hasn't been shipped and processed and all that crap. It's like, a, and a meal in Europe is like a four hour experience. It's oh, not just in front yeah. of the TV and just like get it in you because you just need something and then on to the next thing. It's like, yeah. no, it's where the family is together. We are gathering. Oh, it's, and yeah. that was every night. I remember it was like insane. <laughs> but it, it was. I love, I love that you're, you're talking about that because we need to get back to that. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I'm talking to my clients a lot about right now, because people are worried about, well, I'm going to gain weight over Christmas. I'm going to do this is you can decide how you want to show up yeah, over yeah. the holiday experience. You can decide, am I going to maintain my weight? Am I going to gain weight or am I going to lose weight? You have three options. Yes. And if you decide how you're going to show up, decide yes, and then yes. make that happen. But the other thing is just don't let the holidays pull you in and that you have, oh, I'm for sure gonna gain 10 pounds. I don't have any control over this. Mm. I'm just gonna be eating my way right through it. Cause I say this one thing, if nobody was at your table and all the food was there, 
how important is the food? Like, let's give ourselves a check. Yeah, It's about the people, the experience, not always the food. Take away everybody at your table. And we're feeling it this year as we're having less people at our table. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel as joyful. Right. So it's the people we want to connect with more than the food. Mm -hmm. The food is secondary. Always, always, always. What are your social media? What is your website? Where can people find you? How can they contact you? What's uh... um, They can send me an email at info at weightbossforlife.com. They can check out my website at uh, weightbossforlife.com. It's getting revamped a little bit. So if you're noticing changes or things like that in it, just give me time. Uh-huh. And I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram. I would love to connect with them anybody excellent oh candace thank you thank this is phenomenal you are so so welcome this was fun thank you for listening to today's episode i hope you enjoyed please feel free to follow share underscore on air on social media and visit shareonair.ca online for more information thanks again and we'll see you soon